0: Every movie costs $2,184 Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Backtracks Theme Music My name is Corey Morissette Joined as always by John Mariano And John, I wish I could say something classy and inspirational But that just wouldn't be our style So instead I'll leave you with this Pain Heals Chicks dig scars, but glory lasts forever. How are you doing tonight, John?
1: Spiders. Spiders. Oh, that's what, what my my greatest fear. Spiders. Oh, okay. Good to know. Thought, Good to know. I thought I that thought we were gonna do that.
0: Like, oh no, I, I yeah, I, I haven't watched this movie in a while, so I, I I forget that bit. I just knew the uh pain heals, chicks dig scars line because it's one of my favorite lines in movies.
2: Now, at one point, Coach McGinty, who is one of the greatest fictional coaches of all time, is trying to bring the team together by discussing their fears, what are were afraid of? Right. And Orlando Jones, who is um, irreplaceable in this movie, and we're actually covering the song that his character brings to life in this. You know, he has Clifford Franklin. He has stone hands, but impeccable speed. Um. So, so Clifford Franklin answers spiders, Coach. I'm afraid of spiders, and then they all start listing these random things that they're afraid of. And eventually, Shane Falco, played by Keanu Reeves, answers quicksand. And without missing a beat, Orlando Jones is like, "Ooh, quicksand too! Like you, it's very hard to get out of. You know, you don't know if you, you don't know how deep it is." And you know, Gene Hackman playing Jimmy McGinty, to was amazing in this movie. And the and the rock the the glue that holds it all together because I don't think he was talking about that type of quicksand. And and it ends up being like the fear of of you know things getting away from you. Kind of like the New yeah. York Giants in their opening
0: game this season. Oh god, I don't even want to go there, but what we should do, John, is introduce the movie. Because we haven't done that yet. We just went into Coach McGinty. Uh, tell the folks this was your pick this week. I want you to let them know uh, what the film is and what the song is.
2: Yeah, well, I wanted to do something relevant to the season. We try to do that every once in a while on the show. And um, I wasn't sure what kind of movie to pick because you put it on me. It was my week. Pick a movie. And I was like, I don't know, we we probably need a replacement movie. Um, And that's how we came to The Replacements, which is um, about replacement football players. Football players are going on strike and they need to... um, Still play some games to to make the playoffs. I think they have to win three, three out of four. four games, right?
1: Yeah.
2: And and they put together a team trying to win. It's kind of the opposite of like a Major League, where they're trying to the, the owner's trying to lose. The owner here genuinely wants to win and thinks they can win it the old fashioned way with players who just care about the game. And, and it's a little bit about the finances of it, but it's about the, this band of misfits that come together, and Clifford Franklin um played by Orlando Jones is obsessed with Gloria Gaynor's I Will Survive, which is relevant to the players. It's relevant to the to, to this movie. And um there there is a, a a climactic scene that brings the team all together um in a jail cell um, that includes this song and the electric slide line dance, which is mm-hmm. just something to behold.
0: It's really a great scene, and, and, and we'll we'll actually play a little clip from that scene at the very tail end of the show, so everybody, uh, you know, stick around for that. But as John mentioned, uh, this is actually based on a true story, in a way. In uh, 1987, the NFL went on strike, and uh, there's something very similar where Washington uh, needed to win a, a few games uh, to make it into the playoffs with replacement players. Uh, so it's it's kind of loosely based on the Washington at the time Redskins uh, and their uh, situation uh, in the 87 season. Um, all I know is that the Giants in '86 won the Super Bowl, and the '87 season really kind of robbed them of a shot at going to another Super Bowl. So I was pretty pissed off uh, about that. But um, it also kind of mimics the uh, quarterback controversy uh, Washington had at the time between uh, Doug Williams and uh, young Jay Schrader. Uh, if you remember him, he went on to coach uh, with the Raiders after or coach uh, play for the Raiders after that. Uh, we have a similar situation here with uh, replacement quarterback Shane Falco played by Keanu Reeves, and. uh. Uh, let's see, what's his name? Eddie Martell, the uh, established uh, dickhead starter. Uh, so it, it, we we kind of uh, mirror uh, real life uh, with that situation too. Uh, but John, do you have any recollections of the 87 NFL season?
2: Not not many. I, 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 I was, a, like, I am a huge Giant fan, but I feel like the, the 86 Giants brought me into football, but I was purely a Giant fan at the time. I don't become an actual NFL football fan probably till high school. So, so you're probably talking like mid nineties or so. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and at at that point, you know, I got to look back at things like the strike. And I I was always told about how the strike affected the, uh, the game, but it wasn't really of
1: my mind until in the mid nineties. We had another set of replacements this time in baseball. And growing up a huge Yankee fan and the Yankees were finally starting to get
2: to that point. Um, the the 94 season being cut short by a strike, um, the tail end of Don Mattingly's career, who it, it is now and will forever be my favorite baseball player. Um, I genuinely feel whether it's robbed him of a championship, I think it at least robbed him of a world series appearance. We, mm-hmm. He finally makes the playoffs in 95 thanks to the wild card. And um, they were a better team the year before. I genuinely feel that. And they were a better team the year after in 96, as we know, because then you get the history of the Yankees winning four out of five or six World Series and, and you know having, having the dynasty uh, with Derek Jeter and Mariano Rivera. Um, but that's, that's another sport and another story.
0: Well, and the 94 MLB strike affected me because I was a Montreal Expos fan. And they were arguably the best team in baseball. It was certainly shaping up to be a Yankees um, Expos uh, showdown I, in the World I, Series. I, here, here it is. With, and, of course, wait, wait. the Expos would have won in five Wait, wait, wait the
2: wait, wait. Corey, Corey, this isn't the argument you think this is going to be. Okay. Okay? I, I, I said I think the Yankees would have won in 94 very specifically. Yeah. Because while I think they might have made the World Series in 95, that Expos team, and you look at who was on that Expos team, is a who's who of baseball for the next 10 years.
0: Yeah. You're talking about Larry Walker and Pedro Martinez, and it was just a murderer's row.
2: Wasn't Randy Johnson on that team too still?
0: I, gosh, i I'd have to look that up. I'm think, not sure.
2: I think it's before Randy Johnson got moved to, to Seattle. You, yeah. can, you can you can double check it, but 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 the team was just outrageous when you look from top to bottom, what that team was made of. I think uh, Andre Scalorago was on that team.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Like it was it was asinine how good that team was. Right, you're not going to get an argument from me that they would have won that World Series. They would have yeah. won that World Series running away so hard. They would have got two rings for winning it.
0: And they uh, after that strike, uh, they had to sell off the team like pieces. Uh, Larry Walker went to Colorado. Pedro Martinez went to Boston. And uh, things just weren't the same for the Expos who were no longer in the league.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I still uh, believe in that. I still have an Expos jersey in memory of them. I, I won my first fantasy baseball championship in 2001. And Yahoo was giving away jerseys. And I have Yankee jerseys. And I wanted something a little bit different. And they had an Expos jersey available. I'm like, I would like an Expos jersey. So I have one in my closet.
0: They still sell them up here in Canada. You see them all over the place, Expo hats, Expo jerseys. You almost see as many as those as you do Blue Jay jerseys.
2: Yeah, you know, they talk about expansion, you know, bring, growing the league back, and I would love nothing more than to bring back the Expos.
0: Amen, brother, amen. But we're talking football tonight. We're talking the replacements. Let's talk about this cast real quick. Uh, we talked about uh, Keanu Reeves. Uh, he plays uh, Shane Falco. Uh, he was an all-American uh, quarterback for Ohio State, uh, but after he choked in the Sugar Bowl, uh, he washed out of the pros after one season uh he's the replacement quarterback gene hackman is jimmy mcginty uh former head coach of the washington sentinels not the redskins the sentinels uh they bring him back and the only reason he comes back uh, he says i'll do it if i can bring in the players i want to bring in shane falco being chief among them uh then you have orlando jones as clifford franklin uh l- like you said uh you know million dollar uh legs uh, but he's got stone hands uh three siphons as the kicker uh nigel gruff uh, a Welsh footballer uh nicknamed the leg because he can kick a football the entire length of the field. That's a hundred yards. That's a pretty impressive feat that I don't think's ever been duplicated. He kicks a big sixty five yarder in one of these uh, uh games in the movie. Uh John, I couldn't help but notice that your uh, name on the zoom call was Danny Bateman. Uh that character is played by John Favreau wearing Lawrence Taylor's uh fifty six he's the middle linebacker for the team and he goes a little apeshit uh whenever he's in kind of an adversarial situation, doesn't he?
2: Oh, uh, shame when I when I see red I, I turn into a bull. I just want to run through you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, young John Favreau, uh killing it as Danny Bateman. Uh You have the the big uh sumo wrestler turned offensive tackle Jumbo Fumiko uh who ate too many eggs uh before a game and that turned into a very uh, gross moment in the film. And uh, uh this one I completely forgot about, David Denman, who uh office fans will know As uh, Pam's fiance, Roy, in the early seasons, plays the uh, blind, or sorry, not blind, the deaf uh, tight end, uh, who would have been a first round pick if he could hear. And uh, he makes uh, some big plays.
2: He makes some huge plays. He's, he's, um, I would say, arguably the best player on the team. Um, And and his whole thing is he can't can't hear. And then Jimmy begins these words, look at it this way. I'll never go off sides.
0: That's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the amazing Jack Warden plays the uh, the team owner, and uh, always welcome to see John Madden and Pat Summerall playing oh, themselves, man. commenting on the games. It's almost like getting uh, uh oh, who commentated in Major League? Fuck, I can Bob see his face. Bob Eucher. Bob if you get Bob Bob Eucher in Major League, uh, Madden and Summerall in the replacements is Chef Kiss, it's perfect.
2: There is so many. There's a tel- great telestry at the moment where there's a broken play. And they let Madden do his Madden thing, talking about it, drawing all over the screen, how things get fumbled and lathered and moved around. And it is a work of comedic I mean, genius. And Madden and Summerall, with all of their commentary, and also um, they um, look through the lens of humor at the game um, because they are replacement players, like all their comments and everything. It grounds the movie a little bit and gives it some realism, um, and it feels like an earned realism.
0: Yep, no, I would agree with that. Uh, let's talk about the soggy picked. Of course, it's Orlando Jones's character's favorite song. Um, let's set up the scene a little bit for you. So the the team loses its first games. So now they have to win the oh. next three to make the playoffs.
2: Well, before we, yeah yeah, and before we get to the scene. There is a scene that precedes it that leads you to the scene. I mentioned that they're in the jail cell singing the song, but before they're in the jail cell, they're in a bar, uh, or lamenting this loss.
1: Yeah, I and,
2: get and... There. oh well, <laughs> <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. You can do it better. Hey, I don't know if I can do it better, but I, I can do it fresher. We've established I've seen this more recently than you. Fair enough. Uh, um, the, the they're, they're, they're in the uh, bar and Clifford Franklin puts it on the jukebox. And I believe it's on Love playing Jamal Abdul Jackson, one, one of the guards, bitches out him that, you know, man, I hate this song. And like to make, make some changes. Like I didn't, I, I, I didn't mean to play it. He was trying to play something else. I, I think that's a ruse. I think he's lying. I think he desperately wanted to play song. I think he wanted to rub Faison Love the wrong way because it's, everyone has that antagonistic relationship at this point, up until, I think, the unsung movie of the, the unsung hero of the movie walks in, right? So we're talking about this great team and all these great players, and we have um, Eddie Martel. Um, and who's playing Eddie Martel? Um, the, the guy from Falcon Crest um, is a TV actor. Yeah. Uh... um give me a sec give me a second, and it'll come to me.
1: Um it'll either come to me or I'll look it up. Um Brett Cullen plays Eddie Martel, and Brett Cullen
2: does it in such a way where he is just a colossal douche throughout this entire like he gives it he, he the way he smiles at you, the way he the way he stands, the way they dress him in the movie, you just want to see him get punched in the face.
1: And what does he do but pick on the um Brian Murphy, the tight end, the deaf guy?
2: And, and you know, Sh- Shane Falco, who has been nothing but cool as I as I've turned his car over and and and, and dumped on him this entire time,
1: Because you know what, now you're picking on my guy, and he gets in the middle of it and he he. he then goes and turns to who I named myself after, um, Danny Bateman, and goes, Danny, what did I tell you? Um, Remember I told you about um, the color red? And Danny's like, yeah,
2: like, forget it. He's in practice, (laughs) Shane Falco wears a red jersey and and Danny can't help but tackle him because he thinks he's a bull and wants to tackle things that are red. So. Shane trains him that red means stop in practice, but here Eddie's wearing a red shirt, and Shane gives him the green light to go and deck him, uh, and and Shane, Shane himself punches Eddie, and they get into a, one one of the great bar fights of all time in movie history, in my opinion.
0: Yes, it's a very very good one, and with then, all due uh, respect to
2: to, to Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah, thank you for amending that. Uh, but uh, yeah, the, the scene I was specifically thinking about is after that in the jail cell, um, the, the team is still kind of fractured, uh, but they're kind of talking about the bar fight and how they came together. And then this song, uh, becomes a little more prevalent. Like I said, we're going to play the clip at the end of the show so you can hear it folks, but, uh, let's get into, I will survive, uh, from the legendary Gloria Gaynor. Corey, are we doing a disco song?
2: Yes, we are. (laughs) I didn't realize we were doing a disco song tonight.
0: This is like one of the disco songs. This is from 1978 uh, from the album Love Tracks uh, by American singer-songwriter Gloria Gaynor. Uh, It's a popular disco anthem and has gone platinum uh, by the Record Recording Industry Association of America, the RIAA. Um, in 2016, the Library of Congress deemed Gator's original recording to be culturally, historically, or artistically significant, and selected it for preservation in the National Recording Registry, to which I say, of course. It's I Will Survive. It's one of the most famous songs ever.
1: Yeah, it's, it's um, iconic, right? And mm-hmm. we haven't, we've done, we've done some iconic songs, but we haven't done them often outside of the rock genre. Um, you, you know, when you ask me what what song we should do for this movie tonight without hesitation, because of its
2: relevance to the film, it's also I think, it, it's almost like a war cry for anybody who's going through in times, and one thing we try to do on the show is be a feel-good show, right? Like, I on other shows that I've been on with you, I've had a tendency to do this character where I act like a dick, which is what you were reacting to before when you brought up the 95 Expos, was you were ready for me to fall into that that version of myself and forgot. Yeah. On here, it's not that, right? I, here I thought
0: I was gonna get a fight. I'm not sure. I thought I was right. gonna get a fight.
2: <laughs> no, on here, on here, on here, look, when you get a fight, it's an earned fight. But some things when you say something just that's just even my opinion of the Yankees can't thwart it, right? Mm-hmm you're, 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 you're right in, in your opinion about the 95 Expos, um, this song transcends genre, right? And and it's not to say that, you know, we're only going to ever do specific types of
1: songs in any genre. It's, to me, when this song comes on the radio, I stop turning the dial. It's one of those songs,
2: right? Mm -hmm. I don't care what kind of song it is. I don't care who's singing it. you know, Gloria and I, are, um, her voice elevates the song. Um, the disco beat and everything. Look, you, you were watching me dance along with it till we stopped it. I jokingly stopped it to say, Are we talking about disco? But I just wanted to talk about this song
1: for a minute. Did you hear with that sad look upon your face? I should
3: have that stupid I should have made you leave your My for just one second. You'd be-
0: All right, uh, John. If you had to guess, uh, in two thousand, VH1 listed their hundred greatest dance songs of all time. Where do you think I will survive ranked?
2: I
1: mean, that's that's a loaded question because there are so many good dance songs of all time. Yep. Oh, I'm gonna be ballsy. Okay.
0: Was it one? Number fucking one. You are correct. <laughs> you,
2: you you know I can't argue it, right? Like I guess if there.
1: I can list probably about 20 songs that you could dance to, right? But this one you could dance to on any day of the week, in any weather, in any circumstance, right? I've heard it at
2: countless weddings. It just makes sense.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, it's number one on VH1, uh, Rolling Stone, uh, their top or their best disco songs of all time. It was number two. Uh billboards list of the 35 best disco songs. It was number 14.
2: Yeah. I mean, any of those numbers, right? Like if, if you put this anywhere in the top 25, I'm not going to argue it. Um, even be sitting at number one, right. And you can think about Michael Jackson songs. You can think about Prince songs. You, like there are just so many dance songs. You can think about songs that people just listen to in the club. You'd be hard pressed to leave this out of your top 25, no matter what, genre or what thing, whatever you will look at that.
3: Only the Lord to give me strength Not to fall apart Though I tried hard to mend the pieces of my broken heart And I've been oh so many nights Just feeling sorry for myself I used to cry But now I
2: hold my head up high I, you know, we've talked about so much about this movie and the song so far. One thing we haven't talked about is that this movie, and I'm going to try to do this as respectfully as possible. I, you know, But this movie includes one of my all time biggest movie crushes of all time with Brooke Langton playing Annabelle Farrell, the the cheerleader slash bar owner, slash crazy Jeep driver. You know, her character has a lot to her. I would argue that the love story in this is flimsy at best, but you're not coming here for for the love story. Um, But I really love her character and my Lord. I hear Dreamweaver in my head every time she's on the screen.
0: Now, there was a subplot with the cheerleaders, too. There were also replacements. Where did she find uh, the replacement cheerleaders?
2: Uh, f- from, um, what, what is it, the Pussycat Bar, um, which, which, is, which is the local strip club? hmm
0: Yeah, uh, things take a, a not-so-family-friendly uh, turn uh, with the cheerleaders, but they, they became quite popular, if I remember correctly. Well,
2: well, in fairness, this isn't necessarily a family-friendly movie. At one point, um, we I'm, I'm just going to jump around a little bit. I mentioned that they were turning over Shane Falco's car, and, and, and um, his guards come out, the Jackson brothers, and, and, you know, they're like, we got this, Shane. And they shoot holes in Eddie Martell's windshield with, <laughs> with, with a gun and ask him... To flip the car over at Eddie Martel without flinching goes, motherfucker, right? Which is like the, the one big bomb in the movie. But it's a bomb, it's a bomb like you're you're allowed, I think, two or three fucks in a movie. But if you drop one motherfucker, you're guaranteed an R rating. So maybe not that family friendly. When he yells when he yells it, um P- Pison loves Jamal Abdul Jackson, takes his firearm and shoots several bu- bu- bullets into the driver's side window um nobody's thankfully in the car to get this point across to, to fix Jay, Shane's car to maybe get it waxed and buffed as well
0: mm-hmm. you know here when you're talking about your one of your uh, all-time unrequited crushes i thought you were talking about uh the late great jack warden uh who uh oh. this was his final film
2: yeah and, and and are there any other films that you love jack warden from
0: Oh, the guy's had a massive career. Like, uh, he, you know, he was in everything there for a while. Uh, what are some of your favorite uh, Jack Warden films? I know uh, 12 Angry Men jumps out right off the hop because I, I well, love 12 Angry Men.
2: Yeah, 12, 12 Angry Men. So, so so in my youth slash high school era, 12 Angry Men and, and um, Blengarry Glenn Ross were two of my favorite films where people just got to act, right? Like we see a lot of the movies action or it's movies like this where it's a sports movie but 12 angry men and Jack Warden in 12 angry men um is such a strong character um you, you know you know I'm trying, trying to think of like later in life I like I know he was in Bullworth but I don't remember Bullworth that much mm-hmm. um he was in that movie um and I think that was was that the one McConaughey or was that the other one There were like two movies that were like very similar that came out.
0: McConaughey McConaughey is Ed TV, Ron Howard. Uh, Ed is the uh, baseball play in Monkey starring Matt LeBlanc. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's the one (laughs) thing. Yeah. Yeah. He was also Uh, in uh, uh, While You Were Sleeping with Bill Pullman and Sandra Bullock. That was a big hit back in the day.
2: Yeah. He played old General Zevo in Toys. Toys, kind of a nightmare fueled Robin Williams Christmas movie.
0: Yep, yep, and of course, uh, very famous for the carrot top film, Chairman of the Board. Yes,
2: but I mean, I mean, he he also he, he made tens of movies over over the course of his career. He 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 was um, Kermit the Frog's boss, and Fozzie Bear's boss, and the Great Gonzo's boss in the Great Muppet
0: Caper. Oh, which uh, is my favorite Muppet movie of all time.
2: Yeah. He plays the Fuchs Brothers in In Used Cars, which is a very underrated Robin Williams movie. I mm-hmm. that might be a movie. I gotta see if there's any songs in that. We might cover that on here at some point. Um, yeah, no, just just a, a a very long career, and you know, one of the great character actors of all time. When you see me, somebody new.
3: I'm not that up little bird. And so you felt like dropping in and just expecting to be free. Well, now I'm saving up.
0: I got a little uh, "I Will Survive" uh, trivia for you here, John. According to Robert Boogie Bowles, uh, who played guitar on this song, uh, this was uh, actually the B side to a song called "Substitute." Uh, they spent most of their time recording the A side single "Substitute," and as a result, they only had 35 minutes to record "I Will Survive." Uh, they did not even know the song title or the melody of the song. They're just fairly relaxed recording in the belief that the B side, you know, would never get played because usually when you buy a single you buy it for the A-side, you don't really care about the B-side. So you know, they kind of went and just kind of loosey-goosey, and you kind of get that feel. It's just kind of relaxed and fun.
2: Yeah, it's um, it's a loosey-goosey song. I feel like every time I go away, they play it at the dances. Um, surprisingly, not many people cover it on karaoke night, which is probably a testament to how great Gloria Gaina is. It's a tough song to sing. I know, I know Orlando Jones does his damnedest. I could probably sing it kind of in that wheelhouse, but I don't know that many people that could carry it the way she does.
0: And uh, this second part, she actually had recorded in two parts, and she recorded the vocals wearing a back brace because she just had surgery uh, after uh, suffering a fall at a concert.
1: Uh, that's a shame. But, I mean,
2: I can only imagine be- because it feels like she's saying this from the bottom of her lungs at points. Mm-hmm. So, so, so the strain that must've been putting on her back to belt this out the way she does. I can't, I can't imagine.
0: Well, and she said uh, she was able to, the quote is, uh, that's why I was able to sing the song with so much conviction because uh, the injury and a, a recent bereavement uh, made her really identify uh, with the uh, theme and the sentiment of, I will survive. So one of those magical little things that kind of comes together to make a classic song.
2: No. and, 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 and it works because it's not just her talent, but it's her passion for it. And you can, maybe that's what we're hearing and why, why this is so timeless.
0: I always love a good sax solo, but John, I want to talk about the movie real quick. Do you remember who directed The Replacements? Um, but, but, uh, I'll give you a hint. Um, We've covered one of his movies before.
1: Um, oh, I'm cheating. <laughs> I'm cheating, but it is a famous husband of a
2: famous back to the future actress which isn't in the line of notes
0: <laughs> that's correct it's a uh, some kind of wonderful director howard Deutsch, uh, also directed this one uh, back in 2000 and i think did a pretty good job with it i
2: you know i i don't think that we were too kind some kind of wonderful especially when comparing it to its predecessor i feel like howard Deutsch really finds his stride here i know that this movie does have its critics i think some of it being valid with it being uneven. It's still, to me, one of the great football comedies of all time, which is saying a lot because there are many great football comedies. And this, in my heart, replaced the spot that used to be held for Necessary Roughness, a very similar type of film about a college football team led by Scott Bakula, which we will probably also cover on this podcast at some point.
0: I would hope so, yes. Uh, I want to continue on with a little trivia here for you. Uh, put your phone away. Uh, let's see if you know this. Uh, Keanu Reeves was offered a tryout with an NFL team uh, after this mo- during the filming of this film. Do you know which NFL team offered him a tryout?
2: Uh, I, I so badly want to say the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> uh, uh, um, I'm trying. I'm, I'm trying to think of what team would benefit most from like pulling a stunt like that, and who was bad at the time of this movie, which would also fit the Browns. Oh. In both cases,
0: but no, no, not bad. This team would go on to win the Super Bowl six months after the movie was released.
2: Was it the New England Patriots? Nope.
0: No, you should know this as a New York Giants fan. Who beat them? Oh, it's Super Ravens? Bowl thirty-five. The Baltimore Ravens.
2: You know what? I should I should have with Art pull pull him that stunt. <laughs> so so, I was technically right. In fairness, with the Browns.
0: In, in a way, sure, I'll, I'll, I'll concede in, that. But in a way. They, they, in another know, more they, 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 accurate way, you were wrong.
2: In, no, in a, in a way more accurate way, I was right, because they <laughs> were the Browns at the time of this movie, where the Browns now are the replacement Browns, which I don't know how many people who don't watch the NFL, or even people who do know, but you know, staying on topic and on brand for the replacements, in the middle of the night, Art Modell, who owned a, a series, a chain, of sports stores that no longer exist um, also owned the Cleveland Browns and didn't want to be in Cleveland anymore and stole, like took the team in the middle of the night and moved them to Baltimore, Maryland and renamed them the Ravens where the NFL had so much egg on their face with the Browns fan base. They had to have an expansion team that were, you know, you might as well call them the new Browns. <laughs>
0: Yes, yeah uh, that that is correct. I'll I'll give you half point for that one. Just turn
3: around now. cause <laughs> you're not
0: John, before we wrap it up here, I got a couple more pieces of trivia for you. Let's see if you know this. All right, John. Uh, Keanu Reeves plays a former quarterback from Ohio State in this film. What other film does he play a former quarterback from Ohio State?
1: That's Johnny Utah
0: from Twin Great. That's right. <laughs> Very well done. This one might be a little tougher, uh, especially if you don't know Japanese, but Fumiko's war cry, Nadesuka! in Japanese, actually means what?
1: Can you can you give me the country of origin? Japan. Can you use it in a sentence?
0: It is a sentence on its own. Nandesuka.
1: It's actually a question. Why am I here? Close. What is this? Ah. <laughs> I took. How ah, you got I took, it that close. I, I
2: took a random guess on that one. <laughs>
0: All right, that is I Will Survive by the legendary Gloria Gaynor. Uh, Man, we could have picked Good Vibrations by Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch from this movie, too. I forgot that was in here.
2: Oh, it was under consideration, but I really wanted to pick this because of the relevance to the film.
0: And I think that was a good call. John, is there anything else about the replacements we should talk about here tonight?
2: No, I don't think so. Look, it, it is, you know, this movie has been criticized for being derivative it's been criticized for for being being at at, at times um, ha- having a tone that shifts in weird ways a love story that that's flaky um the one thing you can't deny about this movie is it's enjoyable right from from, from its music to its casting um you can you can have a crush on the Keanu reeves you can have a crush on a brook Langton, you can have a crush on anybody and everybody in between jack right? morton. jack morton um you it has a great performance by gene hackman um you know i would argue gene hackman at points feels like he's acting in a different movie because he's gene
1: hackman right but but it's one of these great films and one of these great moments where like in. uh
2: speed where where Keanu gets to act opposite Dennis Hopper that Keanu gets a legendary actor acting against him. And it's almost like that's the rub that I like to think, you know, they they do that in wrestling where like the rock will go fight John Cena and it elevates John Cena. It's with Keanu acting against these movie legends. It elevates him to that next level.
0: Could not agree more, John. uh, Let's wrap this one up. Um, Do you have a movie recommendation for the folks?
2: I do, Necessary Roughness, right? You, you could argue it's almost the same movie. I think, it's, I think it's a very good pairing with this movie in a lot of ways. It's a similar type of humor. It's, it's, they're both um, American football movies. And, and And I think they both take a band of misfits and give you that true underdog story that you want to go root for.
0: Good call. Love that movie. One of my favorites Uh, growing up as a kid was Necessary Roughness. I'm going to throw out a recommendation for another football movie. How about Draft Day Uh, starring Kevin Costner? This is a a movie that uh, John and I covered on another podcast uh, way back when. If you go searching for it, uh, Draft Day, uh, Feeding the Monster, you might find it. And uh, it turned out pretty well. I would recommend maybe going to check that out. Uh, But until next time, on behalf of Danny Bateman, a.k.a. John Mariano, my name is Corey Marset. Thanks a lot for joining us this week, and we're going to leave you with a clip from The Replacements.
3: Some more bullshit. Well, I think it'd be more of a homecoming for you. Oh, now all of a sudden, you're going to be a funny man. Hey, baby, Wilkinson.
1: Hey, come on, guys. What are you doing? Come on, can we all just get along? <laughs> come
3: on. Well, I want to know, why are we the only ones in this jail? It's yeah, simple. They're winners. Hell no, not tonight. That was pretty sweet the way you sat on Wilson's head, Jumbo. Thanks, Jamal. Not in э this guy. Not this guy. Miko the only one to kick some ass tonight, was Oh,
2: you the man tonight, Clipper Franklin!
0: What? You were hiding behind the jukebox. Winnie. <laughs>
1: hey man. At first, I admit I was afraid. I was petrified. You were petrified? Thinking I could never live without you by my side. The Lord is by your side. Have mercy. And then I spent so many nights thinking how you did me wrong. And I grew strong.
3: You know I hate this damn song. I learned how to get along and so you back from outer space. I just walked in to find you here, but that sat up on your face. I should have changed that stupid lock. I should have made you leave your key. If I hadn't known in just one second, you'd be back in front me. Go on now, go. Walk out the door. Just turn around now, because you're not welcome anymore. You remember this here? I don't be the who trying to, oh, try to hurt me. Make your back.